Welcome back to another episode of the Hatchet's weekly news podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It. I'm your host, Alec Rich. By the time you're listening to this episode, there will be just a few days left before Election Day. We've already seen a large amount of absentee and early votes cast so far, particularly from young people across the country, who have surpassed early voting totals from 2016 to this point in several states. That's according to data as of October 21st from Tufts University's Tisch College for people from ages 18 to 29. At GW, we remain one of the most politically active campuses in the country, which certainly won't come as a surprise to any of you listening to this. In fact, GW's student voting rate consistently sits above the average of voting rates at other institutions across the country. Later on in this episode, I'll be speaking with someone from the National Study of Learning, Voting, and Engagement, which is also based in Tisch College at Tufts University. I bring that up because that national study provides GW with much of its student voter data, and it showed that in the 2018 midterms, our student voting rate was almost 47%, which is around seven points higher than average. In the 2016 presidential election, our voting rate was nearly 58%, which is also around seven points higher than the average student voting rate. Lastly, I'll note that officials designated Election Day as a university holiday in mid-October following a student petition, which will almost certainly have an impact on community engagement in this election. Now, in looking at how GW officials have worked to engage students in voting this year and coordinated their efforts as we speed towards Election Day, I first spoke with Amy Cohen. Cohen is the chair of the GW Votes Task Force and executive director of the Honey W. Nashman Center for Civic Engagement and Public Service. Amy, thanks so much for joining me. Happy to be here. This is a really exciting time to do this. For sure. So what has GW Votes and the Nashman Center done throughout this year to promote student voting? And that obviously comes with the caveat that much of the initial plans, I'm sure, were interrupted by the pandemic. So how have you adapted to that? Um, That's a big question um, because our plan to uh, increase and enhance uh, GW student voting um, has a lot of moving parts. Um, Initially, the plan um, had us using a combination of events um, that were student-driven, events that were uh, faculty-driven and on-campus tabling and those kinds of things um, as keys to driving student voting. Um, As, of course, we switched over to the pandemic, I almost forgot about (laughs) in-person means to do voting. Um, So we have really, um, we've hosted more than 20 events over the last two months. Um, But one of the really big tools that we have used um, is that we signed up for uh, TurboVote. And TurboVote is an online tool um, that allows anyone to type in their name and address where they want to vote um, and get all the information that they need about how to register. Um, And then once they've um, put their name and address in, um, uh, voter registration materials are sent to them. Um, if they want them to. I mean, obviously, this is all on whoever, um, on the person who's choosing to do it, but you can get voter materials sent to you, and then you get reminders um, of when to vote, when to send those materials. Um, if, if you're voting absentee, if you're voting by mail, and you'll get all those rules. Um, so TurboVote's been a huge asset for us at GW. We have a, you know, we have a national population of students. They don't go... M- Many of them do not vote in D.C. Many of them do not vote in the um, Maryland, Virginia region. So we wanted to make sure that every student would have the opportunity to vote wherever they wanted to, um, with, in, 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 assuming that they had a legal residence there, of course, um, and assuming that they were eligible to vote. So TurboVote's been a big piece of our um, 
tools for this and then um, lots of events and opportunities. We, the GW Votes Task Force itself is part of our plan uh, to help GW students get engaged in voter, uh, in, in voter activity. So by having student organizations, uh, academic representatives, um, as well as staff, we hope that, and not only do we hope, but we know that those folks on the task force are going back to their organizations, talking to students, talking to others, and hosting their own events and activities. And in terms of TurboVote, have you seen more engagement with that service now since you've hosted it? Well, it's hard to know because the data lags significantly, mm-hmm. um, but we do um, we do see more engagement. We see a lot of use of TurboVote. Um, one of the things that's happened is that in, in the last several weeks, the deans of all the colleges, particularly the undergraduate colleges, um, have decided to start a, um, a friendly competition to see who can get the most people to vote. Um, and by using a, a key or a, an, a unique URL, um, students can go in and register uh, using that. So we are seeing some rise in voting. Also, I, I will say we started using TurboVote before the midterms um, in 2018. Um, so at, And the difference between the number of students who were able to Uh, vote by mail or absentee um, in the midterms between 2014 and 2018 grew significantly. Um, So we don't know what that's the cause of that was exactly, but I think TurboVote helped us do that. And I want to bring up the 2020 GW Votes Initiative Plan, which was written last December. And one of the short-term goals on it was to increase the voting rate among students for this upcoming election from 58% in 2016 to 65% this year. How do you think some of the services that you provided and also the university decision to make Election Day a holiday might affect that turnout? Yeah, I, I, I hope that it is driving more voting. We, um, I think it will make a big difference. I, I do think that the 65% goal, uh, given the, the political climate we're seeing now, um, we will meet that goal and we will indeed exceed it. Um, I'm delighted that the university decided to close for Election Day. That gives students and all of our faculty and staff the opportunity um, to either go to the polls um, or to work the polls, because we know that so many Americans have already voted. Um, Many of our students have probably already voted by mail or voted early. Um, So it gives a greater opportunity, and I think it will drive voter participation. And you mentioned student organizations earlier. Could you just elaborate a little bit further on what what tactics you've exactly used and and spoke with them about in order to increase engagement within their own organizations? We invited, um, we have had uh, college Dems, college Republicans, No Labels, March On, um, and a whole, and the Student Association and a variety of other organizations, fraternities and sororities, uh, be a part of GW Votes over the years. Also, the Residence Hall Association, which has been really involved. Um, and those, we talked with them about the kinds of opportunities that they could provide for education. And we specifically, because we are a nonpartisan group, um, hope that they would uh, sponsor opportunities for people to come together um, across the political lines of Republican and Democrat. And we know, we also know that a lot of the youth vote isn't as prevalent as some older age groups. 
and that presents you know, major barriers to students in general in terms of voting in the pandemic, obviously adds even another layer to that. You know, so how do you think students can overcome some of those barriers to voting, especially now? Again, I want to say that there's so many tools online now uh, that, are, that make things easier. And young people, of course, are better <laughs> at navigating what's happening online than, than their older uh, counterparts. And so I think really TurboVote.org, um, there are many, many services. Those two, the League of Women Voters, all those provide nonpartisan um, opportunities and they walk people through how to vote. I think a lot of times the barrier is, you know, you've just never done it before. Um, so really um, going someplace, going someplace online, talking with family and friends about how voting actually works um, is very helpful. Um, and what, what we find is that the registration part is the hard part um, for a lot of people. And, and it is a bit more complicated. It's a longer form. Um, and the actual voting itself um, is pretty easy. Um, so I think that a big piece of that is getting students used to that change. Um, and we do see that at GW, that once um, the 18 to 21 year olds vote at a, a very high rate, um, and then um, then they um, they continue to do so. So lastly, you, I just want to reaffirm that you do think that we will meet the 65% uh, goal this year. I would be surprised if we did not. Um, we saw a huge increase in the midterm election. Um, I think it was 25% increase in the percent of GW students who voted between 2014 midterm and 2018 midterm, that was a big leap. And I think it is partly due to uh, all of the efforts that um, I and my colleagues on the GW Votes Task Force have made, um, but it's also due to and, and national efforts. There are so many more higher education um, organizations that are trying to drive the higher education vote. Um, and our political situation is much more maybe in your face um, than it had been in the years prior. So I think it's on people's minds more, and I do expect GW students um, who are civically responsible and civically engaged um, to uh, exercise their right to vote along with all the other civic uh, activities that they do in policymaking, advocacy, and activism. Amy Cohen, thanks so much. Thank you, Alec. It's been great to be with you. At the start of this podcast, I mentioned the National Study of Learning, Voting, and Engagement which is based at the Institute for Democracy and Higher Education in Tufts University's Tisch College. I also noted that GW is a participant in that study, which compiles data on voting from over 1,100 colleges and universities in the country. Over 10 million students are also represented by the study, which is more than half of college students in the country. If you have an interest in seeing these reports on GW voting rates for yourselves, you can search for GW votes on the university website and find both the 2016 and 2018 reports. I brought this up again because I was looking to gain some more insight into some of the challenges facing college students this semester as they prepare for this election. That's why I also spoke to Dr. Adam Gizmondi, who is the Director of Impact at the Institute for Democracy and Higher Education at Tufts University's Tisch College and a contributor to these voting studies. All right, Adam, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure to be here. Thanks. So first, can you just talk a little bit about what the National Study of Learning, Voting, and Engagement is and why it can be an important tool for universities? The study that we we call it uh, NSOLVE for short, um, it's really the the first and only way to measure college students' civic engagement in a 
in a really tangible way. The study's relatively new. It started around 2013, and, and our data go back to 20, uh, 2012. Basically, it's a, it's a study of college student voting, put plainly. Um, schools already report a lot of data uh, to an organization called the National Student Clearinghouse. And what our study does is we work with campuses. We have like a very, very quick one or two page document um, and someone at the university can sign off and give permission for us to work with the clearinghouse um, in a way that anonymizes the data, but and it allows us to pair um, the the school's record with the publicly available voting record. And so what we were able to do then is give each school a readout of registration rates and voting rates. And um, it's a pretty robust report. It's like around 15 pages. And um, you can see things like how many students voted at different majors. Um, we have breakdowns by sex, by race and ethnicity, by age, um, and by year enrolled. So it's a pretty valuable tool for, for schools to, to just kind of see how engaged our students in a particular election or across multiple elections. And GW, of course, is one of the institutions included in the reports. Uh, what, what do you think are some of the major barriers to student turnout this year in general, especially considering the pandemic? Well, the pandemic is certainly uh, the one that's been most talked about. And I, and I think um, there's a lot of offshoot issues to that as well. So the pandemic itself has, has, I think, complicated things. Students have some questions over their own, uh, their own lives. You know, I mean, like there's safety issues, of course, but then there's also logistical hurdles like um, where am I going to be on election day? Where am I going to be um, in the days leading up to the election? Um, and for students that go to school out of state from where they may have a different home address, um, that can be a really... Uh, crucially important, you know, information to know when you're making a plan for for how and when you're going to vote, um, because different states have different rules for when you request a mail-in ballot, if you're allowed to vote by mail, um, if you have early voting, or you know, etc. Like, there's all kinds of conditions in each place where you vote. So the pandemic and the fact that for college students, they're they're dealing with the decisions of administrators at the schools that they're attending. Um, and so our big concern since day one has been, will, will conditions change as the semester moves forward? Because there's questions about, like, will the pandemic get worse? But then also, will schools make decisions mid-semester to change directions if they had decided to be in person and then go remote or, or something like that? Um, so that's certainly been one barrier. And another one that I'll just highlight real quick is um, changing rules and laws in different areas. Um, there have been kind of other moments of uh, opportunism of, of uh, rules changing around student IDs and, and that sort of thing. So anyway, the bottom line is it's a very, uh, it's a difficult time for, for college student voter engagement. Because of all those factors, and especially because of the spread of students across the country, do you expect voter turnout to be lower than it has been, and especially in 2016? In some states and in some localities and at some institutions, you're going to see pockets of incredible turnout rates. I mean, some like record setting numbers for some of these campuses for sure. Um, and then um, there'll probably be pockets where it won't be as, as high, um, whether it's that's because of health conditions in the area or local voting conditions. Um, but I think on the whole, nationally, it, it does, all indications are that, that people are highly motivated and, and 
engaged. So I do think the rate will be higher than in 2016. It's just a question of how much higher. And UW, of course, is not shown to be a, a very politically engaged campus, according to some of the past reports as well. You know, in the final days heading into this election, what do you think an institution like GW can do to encourage further voter turnout? You know, we've already seen a couple of days ago they mandated that election day would be a university holiday. What are some additional steps that they can take to ensure that students continue to get out the vote? It's been an ongoing conversation in higher ed. Um, should we give the day, election day off? And this this predates 2020. I mean, this is something that was discussed in 2018. We heard it in 2016. Um, and what we say at IDHE is it doesn't just matter that you give the day off, but it, it matters what happens with the, with the day off. You know, um, are there educational opportunities for students? I think it's a good idea, but it's, there's got to be some real thought behind it. In terms of other things that schools can do in the final days, um, we are you know, really trying to emphasize to institutional leaders um, that voter intimidation is, is a real risk, um, particularly in 2020. Um, we put up some resources on our website. We have a, um, a new four-page report um, that, that talks about the final days of the election. And it's basically about preparing students for um, you know, looking out for suppression for, for institutional leaders and people that have some sort of platform to speak, um, to call out those efforts when they see them, um, to prepare for conversations that are difficult about students that feel like they, you know, that this process isn't for them. Um, but being open to kind of all perspectives, but having a conversation about why it's important that they engage in this election. Um, we've been talking all election season long about making sure that you know, everyone is working together to protect students' right to vote and confronting misinformation when it's out there. And lastly, you talked about fostering a culture of political activism. How do you think a school like GW can work over the long term to really create change uh, for students? We put out a report called um, Election Imperatives. That's It's free up on our website. And you know, there's a lot of recommendations in there, but it includes things like having dialogue across campus, uh, developing buy-in from faculty that it's this is not just about the political science department. This is we think that faculty play a role. We think that administrators play a role. We think student affairs plays a role, and um, we think that students are really central to to building that culture. Because one thing that we know in higher ed is that students listen to other students, and that's proven time and time again across many decades. Adam, thanks so much. Thank you for having me, Ella. Further resources and action plans for students, faculty, and administrators as we head down this home stretch towards the election have also been provided by the Institute for Democracy and Higher Education on their website. For GW-specific voting resources and updates, along with a link to TurboVote, you can head to GW Votes' website. With just a few days left here, please continue to follow the hatchet for all of our election coverage. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Alec Rich and is produced by Gwen Wheeler.